Hey, and welcome back to Mountain Murders. I'm Heather. And I'm Sick Dylan. He is Sick Dylan, but you are such a champ. You are going to give it your best today. That's right, because our power comes from the people. Our power comes from the people. Exactly. We tried to hit our our 12 downloads of December goal. We fell just a tiny bit short. We tried really hard. But you've been sick. And Christmas got in the way. Christmas got in the I know. Family. And family gets in the way. What the hell? But we did celebrate our very first birthday, December 28th, our one-year podcast anniversary. That is the day that Mountain Murders was born. Happy birthday, Mountain we's a, Murders. We was almost born on top of Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, hey. <laughs> okay. But yeah, Dylan is sick. We have a house full of kids, so we're not sure how this episode is going to work out. But we wanted to get it out for you guys. If you hear some weirdness in the background or something, I mean, who knows? Yes, I may cough. I tell them not to run with scissors, to wait until after we record to start making martinis. I don't know. I definitely have a cough drop in my mouth, which is a no-no. If one of the kids cranks up like Cardi B or something, (laughs) we just, we have no control over it. And I'm supping coffee, guys. I apologize. You're supping coffee? Yes. You're a country. You're supping it? I'm going to take some (laughs) subs. Okay. Also wanted to mention real quick, we are now available for download on Stitcher. Yes. That is one of the platforms we have not been available on, but we are now on Stitcher. Yeah. And that's a big platform where it's growing daily. Right. Don't forget, we have our Mountain Murders live show coming up January the 18th. Tickets are on sale for that. We've sold quite a few. We're getting really excited. I have been researching like a fool, Dylan. Oh, my God. I'm digging in on our special secret case as well. I've been getting down all these weird rabbit holes. I'm really excited. We're going to bring you a brand new case, never covered by Mountain Murders. I don't think it's been covered by any podcast. I can't find one. I know. I've tried. This is a fantastic case. Also, we're going to have some cool merch available for the show. We will. And that's going to be in Asheville, North Carolina at Fleetwood. So we can't wait to see you there. Are you ready to dig into this case? This case is a sad case. It is a very sad case, but it's very interesting. It's very interesting. And I think this story should always be, no matter if you've heard it before, it just needs to be out there. Alyssa Fairchild was born June 16, 1968. She was a middle child with two sisters. Her parents worked in factories here in western North Carolina. One worked in a textile factory and the other in a furniture factory, which we don't have a lot of these textile mills around Not anymore. anymore. But the textile industry was huge in western North Carolina for some years. And furniture. Yeah, Furniture Hickory, North Carolina. I'm pretty sure. At one point, it was kind of like the furniture capital of like Maybe the, the country, country or I mean, was, parts of the world. Yeah. Right, yeah. It was, North Carolina produced a whole lot of it. Yeah, and those textile mills were all around. And you grew up in Shelby. Yeah. Which is, I guess, still considered part of Western North Carolina. Yeah, kind it's of getting on the on edges pad- of the foothills Piedmont. Yeah, and no, it was a lot of... Uh, uh, fabrics and cloth mills and yarn. Yeah, yarn. That kind of stuff. Yeah, things yeah. like that. There was a lot of those around there. Right. Well, Alyssa's mother was the disciplinarian in the family, and her father was a bit more laid back. Some reports say he really doted on Alyssa. Alyssa was rebellious and had a lot of conflict with her mother as she got older. I mean, you see a lot of this. Mothers and daughters, when, when girls grow into those teenage years, 
They're trying to figure out who they are, find their own identity, have a lot of conflict with their mom. Yeah, I can tell you, early on, they figure out who exactly who they are. Their mom's antithesis, and it is an all-out war, and it's scary <laughs> to be around. Sometimes. Now, some, some girls don't go through that. Yeah, but it can be, it can be uh, definitely volatile. I mean, I definitely remember being of a certain age and feeling like everything my mother said warranted an eye roll. Yeah. Well, that that's more common. Yeah. But Alyssa was very physical with her mother. She would often hit, slap her mother, just like you said, would kind of have these all out like knockdown, drag out fights. So things were not good in this home as far as this mother-daughter relationship goes. However, Alyssa was pretty popular in high school. She was considered attractive. She would attend dances, football games, always seemingly had, you know, fellas around. She's kind of an outgoing girl. And it was at some point when she's about 17 or so that she decides to drop out of high school, which is kind of strange because she had had a fairly good experience. Yeah. Decent grades. You're almost done. Right. And just decides to drop out. She gets married at 17. And this is to her first husband. His name is Jerry Winkler. Now, the two are both 17 and they have to get permission to get married. They lie to Jerry's parents because guess what? Alyssa's pregnant. Uh Uh-oh. They lie to Jerry's parents and say that the baby belongs to him, even though they know it's not his baby. So here's this guy. He knew her from high school. He reunites with her at some point after she's dropped out. I think they like bumped into each other at a gas station and she's pregnant. They start dating. He knows she's going to be a single mother and he wants to step up to the plate. And he himself is a kid. Wow. 17. It was only after like a week or so of dating that he proposes. Well, there you go. The couple had been together, as I said, only a week before they decided to get married. However, this marriage is not going to last very long. Eventually, it comes out that the baby is not his. His parents push for the marriage to be annulled. With three L's? With three L's. That's oh, that's an, serious that's business like right there. That's like an inside joke for us, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> Alyssa would go on to marry another man, Joseph Proctor, shortly after. He was much older than her. He was 28. And he'd been in a car accident, so he was considered disabled. He walked with a limp and had medical problems stemming from having been in this car accident. In September of 1987, they married after she got pregnant. The couple had two children together. So by 21, Alyssa has three kids. What the hell? They live on property that is owned by Joseph Proctor's family. Alyssa and her mother-in-law had a lot of conflict. Seems to be a pattern with her. She has conflict with her mother. Now she's moved on. She's got conflict with her mother-in-law. At some point, Proctor's mother had to get a restraining order against Alyssa. Alyssa had made threats that she was going to burn the house down. Oh, you got to love that threat. Including killing the kids. Oh, yeah. that's that's, You know, that's a really messed up thing to tell people. Definitely. If you make them believe it. Because it's very scary to know it. No time. It's like being robbed. When someone comes in your home and violates your space and your sense of security, you know, you're never the same, no no matter if they're caught or whatever. But when you tell someone that and they they just never know if if you're truly going to do it, let alone with little kids in the house, that can be very scary. Yeah, I mean, I don't talk a whole lot about my private life in in the how dysfunctional it's been, (laughs) but 
you know, I grew up in a very bad situation, a lot of domestic violence in my childhood. Right. And when my parents split, because, you know, my mom had finally had enough, I mean, there were a lot of threats like this. Yeah. And I remember being a little kid and hearing things like, I'm going to burn the house down. I'm going to kill you guys while you're asleep. Just uh, crazy, you know? And that's what the hell? very fucked up when you're a little kid and you're hearing this, and especially when it's coming from your other parent. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's pretty tough right there. Yeah. Not a good situation for anyone to be in, but definitely has some lasting impacts on kids. For so sure. So, constant arguments, threats. threats. Just. God, that poor guy. He's in crazy. a hard spot there. She's raising hell against his mother, making all these threats against his family. I would be like, look, and girl. And the fact that they live on family property, so it's almost like what the there's wrong several with you? relatives. Oh, yeah. You know, one of those kind of like family compounds. You can't where even get away from it. Quite a few people living within close proximity to each other. And then she's constantly causing conflict. I mean, this is not good for Joseph. And he at some point is like, you just need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Right? When the pair split, she takes her daughters, but leaves her son behind with his dad. Okay. A lot of people said she had a very nasty temper. It sounds it. Just explosive, nasty temper. Sounds like temper. a personality disorder. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where you just, I don't, I'm no expert on that stuff, but when you just can't get along with people, when you can't, even if you have an argument, you take it to the next level, you escalate things, you hold grudges, all that shit. Yeah. That's not good. No, it's not. Alyssa would go on to marry seven times. Why does she have to be married? Can't you just be? You know, some people's like that, and I've never understood it. You can just be by yourself. You can just date people. You can live with them. They just jump from relationship I mean, to I, relationship. I don't understand some. The, yeah. Well, again, I mean, we'll get into it, but that could have something to do with maybe having a bit of a personality disorder or just being very codependent. I'm only getting married once. Oh, baby, I love you. And that's to my beautiful wife. You're so sweet. You'll meet her next week. Okay. Oh, uh, sick jokes. Yeah, okay. Okay. I'm the one on your life insurance. So I know. You better quit making jokes. So at some point, she married three men in three years. <laughs> what the hell? And at some point, she was overlapping marriages, like not divorcing one husband before she was marrying another. Oh, shit. That's big of me, y'all. In 2011, she would be charged with bigamy. Oh, no. Because she was married to one husband and then turned around and found herself a second husband. Wow. Alyssa definitely was a woman who needed a man around, and she would marry men quickly after meeting them. Within just a few months. (coughs) Poor guy, are you okay over there? Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, I'm back. So she would marry men pretty quickly Mm. after meeting them within just a few months. Her fourth husband was deaf. Okay. She seemingly preyed upon men who had disabilities. I was going to say, there seems to be a pattern there, maybe. She very much liked being in control, being physical, often, with that nasty temper. She was very physically violent. And she really liked manipulating these men. Wow. She seemed to prey on men that she could take advantage of. Yeah, I think you need a that. She felt like had some sort of disability, physical ailment. So then she could kind of be the one in control of the finances, just every aspect of their lives. Yeah, I think you need four functioning limbs to fight fight her off of you. Damn. Her daughters were punished severely. 
she was almost borderline abusive when it came to her kids. She would ground them and physically punish the girls. At certain points throughout their childhood, neighbors would call child protective services on her. She would be seen slapping her kids through the face and just out in the yard in front of the entire neighborhood, spanking them, hitting them, stri- you know, striking them in the face. What the hell? Screaming all the time, I'm sure. So, yeah, the neighbors were very concerned, would see the kids with bruises and multiple times, again, call, called, you know, the Child Protective Services. Alyssa never really had any kind of steady employment. She mostly relied on her husbands to take care of her. She did sell drugs on and off over the years. She was described by family members as very manipulative, always looking to work an angle. Wow. Kind of like a con person. Yeah. Like a grifter. She had evictions, small claims, court, you know, problems. Judgments and Past such. due bills, string of bad credit, credit cards. In seven years, she had a total of 42 residences. How do you even move that many times? It was just like a pattern of she would get into a place, she wouldn't pay any of her bills, would fall behind, get evicted, move on to the next place, not pay rent, not pay any of her bills, everything behind, getting turned off. And it was a pattern. Can you imagine 42 residences in seven years? I mean, that's like moving six times a year. No, I can't. Maybe more than that. I hate moving. That sounds horrible. Several husbands described her as having beat them with baseball bats. Or when they'd finally take off, they'd come home to like the entire house being cleared out. She even stole one of her husband's (laughs) hearing aids and fishing poles. Ah, damn it. Now he can't hear or fish. You can't take a man's fishing pole. That's an evil ass woman right there. Right? I mean, that's one thing you don't do. That would be like if I came home and you had taken all of my shoes. Oh, I would never. I would never cross that line. Them's fighting. Them, them's fighting. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you there. would stab me in the neck. <laughs> Sometime in the late 1990s, she discovers the internet. Oh, yay. Like so many people back then. She needs to be on the internet. I'm guessing she had like AOL dial-up. Like, yeah. I you like my sound effect? Whenever she pays the bill. And she would spend hours online. Now, remember, she's not working. She's hanging around the house. She's online all day. Manipulating, I bet. Makes me think of like Napoleon Dynamite's cousin or uncle or whatever, brother, Kip. Yeah. Who's like spending hours on the internet talking to hot babes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She played a game called Instant Messenger Virtual Universe. Have you ever heard of this? Uh, No, that's a hair before my time anyway. It's where people created avatars and interact in the game. I mean, it kind of sounded almost like Sims or like some sort of role playing. Yeah, or just like a, you know, chat rooms were used in and it, with the avatar element, I guess that would, people were really into that. But they do like some role playing types of things. Okay. With these characters. Yeah. Because I never heard of this game, but just what I was researching, that seems to be kind of, that's why I said I feel like it was kind of like a Sims game or something where you kind of create these alternative realities and you're playing this part. This included playing in a Chainsaw Massacre role-playing game. Oh, yay. That she was really into. She portrayed herself online as a dark, glamorous woman. 
And judging from pictures, she was anything but. Okay. She dyed her blonde hair black, placed some red streaks in her hair, got multiple tattoos. She sounds like the tackiest trailer park goth around. Sounds awesome. She was very active on MySpace, calling herself Goth Fairy 666. Oh, my God. Her page portrayed her as a goth woman. She had a lot of skulls, bones those sinister types of images. She's had a lot of bones. She was a big Rob Zombie fan. Remember on MySpace when you could log in and they would play a song? Yeah. You could play your music. That was the coolest part of it. She would play Rob Zombie on her page. Oh, she is hitting every check on the tacky imitation goth person. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I feel like a real goth would have like Bauhaus or something playing, but anyway. I don't know. Sisters of Mercy. Anyway, one of her ex-husbands described her as the kind of woman who thought she was smarter than everybody else, and she rarely told the truth. And she was just like a pathological liar, and it was all part of this manipulation. And so online, she could definitely do that. Yeah. She could create an entirely fake persona and be someone completely different from who she actually was. Hey, you want to be my 23rd husband? (laughs) Yeah. In 2007, her sixth marriage ended when Alyssa was spotted kissing another man in a parking lot by her then mother-in-law. Okay. And there was a lot of infidelity in these marriages as well, or suspected infidelity. Yeah, I think that's just one more personality trait of hers that you can throw on top of everything else. If you're someone who's very codependent and you need to have a man around, there's like a constant need for attention. Well, and if you're a, a con- you're a pathological liar, there's also a constant need to get like a new victim, if you will. Exactly. Someone who's going to buy your bullshit because everybody, you know, the other guys already like whatevs. It was sometime around 2008 that Alyssa meets a guy named Adam Baker online while playing that instant messenger virtual universe game. Adam is a single dad. He lives in Australia. And is father to a little girl named Zara. Oh, yeah. Zara Baker was born November 16th, 1999 in Wagga Wagga, Australia. What a great name. Her biological mother was a woman named Emily Dietrich, and she'd suffered from some serious postpartum depression. So severely that she ended up giving custody to Zara's father, Adam, when Zara was only eight months old. Adam moved to Queensland in 2004 to work for like a sugar mill. And during this time, they lived with his family. His mother, Karen, would often help care for Zara. Here he is, single dad, working sugar mill, kind of blue collar sort of job, looking online for friendship. I mean, he's a lonely guy. Well, yeah. Zara was a sickly child. She was diagnosed with bone cancer in 2005. She would also suffer from lung cancer. Oh, my gosh. The bone cancer was so bad that they had to amputate Zara's left leg just above the knee. She had to undergo chemotherapy and many surgeries. She also had partial hearing loss and had to use hearing aids. Now, people described Zara as incredibly optimistic, the super inspirational little girl, despite the fact that she had all of these medical problems lost her leg, partial hearing loss. She was a really happy kid who was just always smiling, had lots of friends, never met a stranger. 
And even though she was disabled, she was not going to let this prevent her from living a happy life. There was actually um, one of the teachers in an interview that I read that talked about how they had gone to like this ropes course with the whole class and that Zara was working very hard to participate, that she was not going to sit on the sidelines, that even though she's struggling, she's out there climbing, really pushing herself because she wanted to be considered quote unquote normal. Wow. And that she was just not going to let any of this stand in her way, that she was going to live a full life. Yeah, everything I've ever seen, everyone describes her like that. Just a special little soul, you know, very happy, kind of contagious, gets me, you know, and uh, would never stop or let anyone feel sorry for her. Right. Special little girl. Online, Alyssa portrayed herself as this 40-something gothic fairy. She used an avatar with red fairy wings. And within a few months of meeting Adam Baker in this game on the internet, she decides to go to Australia to finally meet him. The two live together in Australia and they get married. They live with Adam's mother. Now, eventually they're going to decide to come to the U.S. and settle in Hickory, North Carolina, close to where Alyssa grew up. Now, Adam Baker, again, he's 33. She's 40. So a bit of an age difference. Friends of Adam's in Australia kind of questioned Alyssa's stories. She would tell these really outrageous and over-the-top stories. Again, just can't tell the truth. Yeah, now she's in a whole nother country, so she can really reinvent herself. And people knew, like, this woman is full of shit. Right. At one point, she had told some of his friends that she was a former cop who had been shot in the line of duty and told other people that she had been a bounty hunter. Okay. People who knew Adam were surprised at his choice in a woman, and they wondered what she was doing there with him, because they just couldn't see these two together. Yeah, I'm going to assume maybe he's just straight-laced, quiet, and here comes this big personality, perfect person for her to be overbearing on, feed him all this bullshit. Adam's family was also really concerned about Zara moving to the U.S. because the medical treatment in Australia is free. Alyssa says, oh, I've got a lot of money. You don't have to worry about these healthcare costs. I've got it covered. And she's like spinning these stories about how she's wealthy. She has a lot of money. She has this huge settlement from when she was shot in the line of duty. I mean, just these crazy, outrageous stories. That don't even make no damn sense. Who'd she get the settlement from? I, oh my, I, bet, I, bet, I bet they were really talking about her as friends and family. Oh, I'm sure. Well, they move back to the United States, and when they do, they move in with Alyssa's dad. So yeah. much for having a lot of money, right? Okay. Adam was working for a logging company, and he was working long hours to try to make ends meet and to make sure that he could cover health care for Zara. Zara was enrolled in the fourth grade, I believe at Hudson Elementary School. Family members and relatives recall Alyssa being very abusive to Zara. One day, Zara went to school with a black eye. Social services were called four different times in the year 2010 in Caldwell County and Catawba County, where they were residing. Relatives said Zara was being slapped by Alyssa, would be locked in her room. It escalated to a point that they had to leave her father's house because Alyssa's dad was just like, I'm not putting up with this. Yeah. That there were a lot of issues between 
Alyssa's father and Alyssa over her treatment of this little girl. What the hell? Of course, she did her own kids like that, so. After the Black Eye incident, Alyssa withdrew Zara from school. This was not the first time Alyssa had been investigated by the Department of Social Services. I mean, she had reports dating back to 1999 involving her own children. Best thing he could do is take his little baby, his little girl, and get on a damn plane and head right back over to Australia, away from that crazy woman. He's working a long hours, so he is not fully aware, it seems, of what is transpiring when he's not at home. Yeah, but he knows that, surely knows that she went to school with a damn black eye. I mean, that's it for me. Alyssa We're done. always had some story about what had happened oh, to the yeah. little girl. Yeah, well, he, she had fallen. She had fallen in the shower, slipped getting out of the bathtub, bumped her head. She got hit, you know, with a ball in the face. Oh, you she know was how she is. Class. She's clumsy. Just, yes. Well, she's already broken him down and, you know, sunk her hooks into him, so... You know, I'm sure he, she's feeding them well, all kinds of Well, we see this bullshit. sometimes. People often in relationships don't want to admit what's happening and they're in denial. And that yep. could have been the case. I mean, and maybe he was just so lonely and so happy to have a partner that he was willing to kind of overlook some of these things. I'm not saying that that's right at all. No, but he has but moved. I've seen, I've witnessed that out of people before. And we hear stories about it, you know, with these, these kinds of cases. And he's moved to another country. He's trying to make it work. Maybe he's trying to prove his family wrong, that, oh, things are going to be fine. Don't worry. You know, who knows what's going through his mind. Right. But this is just a really, like, bad situation brewing. October 9th, 2010, Alyssa calls the fire department to report a fire outside their home. It's basically a mulch fire. While they're investigating in the fire, the fire department and law enforcement find a ransom note on the windshield of her Chevy Tahoe. It says, we have your daughter, along with some other cryptic information regarding a Mr. Coffee, who happens to be Adam's landlord and boss. Okay. What the Very hell? odd. Um, they call Mr. Coffee and they're asking questions about, is your daughter okay? So and Mr. Coffee's real? Yeah, he is uh, Adam's awesome land. They are living in a home. Yeah. I believe a mobile home that is owned by Mr. Coffee. And he is also Adam's boss. Okay. So they're like, okay, they investigate a little bit. This Mr. Coffee fella is like, my daughter's fine. There's no problem here. Yeah. Okay. Law enforcement, fire department leave. A little, feel, probably feel a little baffled by this note. Right. Not quite sure what's going on. Well, there's a second call made around 2 p.m., a second 911 call, and this time by Adam Baker. And he reports his daughter, Zara, as missing. He says he last saw his daughter around 2 a.m. He also explained that he thought the fire and ransom note were possibly used as a distraction so that someone could abduct his child. Okay. While this fire has been started... This pile of mulch kind of out in their yard. They find this note. Everybody's out there trying to figure out what's going on. That someone came in the home and took the child. Yeah. On October 11th, Adam Baker and the Hickory Police Chief appear on Good Morning America, providing details of Zara's disappearance and asking for help in finding the girl. A couple of days have passed. This is a huge story. Everyone is looking for this little girl. Well, it had uh, during, what year is this? 2010. Yeah, well, it just has all the elements for a story to blow up in the media. 
little disabled girl. She's missing. Parents pleading. I mean, we've all seen this thing, you know, play out many a time. And this story was huge. I mean, we live in Western North Carolina. We were in the area when this story was breaking. Right. It was everywhere. Oh, yeah. Pictures of the little girl. People were looking for her. The um, What did they send out? Those Amber Alerts yeah. were all over the place. Oh, yeah. And this is like a big deal. Investigators begin questioning Adam and Alyssa about Zara's disappearance. Now, it turns out family has not seen the little girl for a period of time. Other relatives. Okay. Adam Baker admits it was probably around October 7th when he last saw his daughter. Just from going to work and coming in late? Yeah. On October 8th, allegedly Alyssa and Zara had attended an Oktoberfest event, which Adam said he'd been part of. But then in another report, he stated that he had not seen his daughter since October the 6th. There's, There's a lot of discrepancies in Adam's story, which law enforcement does find alarming. At some point, Alyssa admits she wrote the ransom note. Okay. And is being, basically is being charged with obstructing justice at this point. Yeah, because what the hell? She's also arrested on charges of writing some bad checks, traffic violations, and communicating threats. Okay, so now they're just getting her. They are. On anything. Yes. And they want to hold her, and they want to put pressure on her. That is exactly what they're doing. On October 20th, at a bond hearing, the judge increases her bond from $40,000 to $65,000, calling Alyssa a flight risk. Probably not far off on that one. And it's for these minor charges, the check writing, the traffic violations. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's it's about the little girl at this point, I'm sure. Her daughter, Amber Fairchild, her biological daughter, testifies at that hearing, saying that her mother was often violent and abusive. She also said Alyssa had been getting money from men online, including a man from England who had been sending her thousands of dollars. What the hell? I know. So I must really be digging a Rob Zombie songs on her damn MySpace page. <laughs> well, during the investigation, Alyssa also fails a polygraph exam when she's asked if she knew Zara's location and questions about whether or not the little girl was alive. <sighs> Which we all know those polygraph tests, eh. Well, I, I call them junk science, but you... It used in concert with other, you know, techniques. And when you're really trying to figure things out, um, it can be useful to investigators. I would never take one. Ever. Well, at this point, Alyssa and Adam are prime suspects. Yeah. In Zara's disappearance. Police find forensic evidence inside the Baker's Chevy Tahoe, including blood and some hair samples. (sighs) Some pieces of hair, almost like as if it was pulled out or something. Oh, yeah, so maybe it's got the roots on it and stuff. Drug paraphernalia was also taken from the home and the vehicles. At some point, police searched the company where Adam is employed with canines. They use backhoes, excavators to dig around the property as well. It's a lumber company, as I mentioned, like a logging company. Yeah. They're out there with the dogs. They're digging holes. They're combing the area. It sounds like a recovery effort. They think something's up for sure. During this time, people start talking to police. A former neighbor said that at some point in 2010, Alyssa had an injury to her hand. When she was asked about it, Alyssa admitted she had been hitting Zara and hurt her hand on the child's prosthetic leg. God, you bitch. When Adam asked about it, Alyssa told him she'd fallen on it. Others speculated Alyssa had something to do with the girl's disappearance. People were starting to come out of the woodwork, and they were like, 
we know she did something to this well, kid. Well, yeah, they've been seeing her treat this little girl like shit and her, be mean to her, her all this time. Her children are suspicious. Yeah. Are testifying. They grew to up their with mother's this monster. Violent and abusive behavior. Oh. She's getting money from men online. She could potentially leave. It always. I mean, this quickly is falls apart. Definitely not a good situation. On Thursday, October 10th, police had received a tip that Zara had been possibly raped. Now, the tip was that Zara had been at a house recently belonging to a pair of cousins. Allegedly, the tipster said that one of the men, there were two of them, Louis James Young and Timothy Samuel Young. Sammy Young, I guess was he went by Sammy. Sammy was having some kind of sexual relationship with Alyssa, and they were using drugs together. Okay. Alyssa had gone over to the Young's house and left Zara with these men. And when she had returned, the girl had blood stains. What the fuck? Kind of like between her legs. Jesus Christ. The men also had recently removed a mattress from, from their home, which had a dark stain on it. When cops go to interview these men, one of the guys claims it was due to a urine stain, that he had gotten drunk and just taken a piss all over his mattress. Yeah. Lewis Young told investigators that he knew who Zara Baker was, but he didn't believe she had ever been to their residence. These men were investigated, but law enforcement didn't believe this was any kind of valid claim. They thought it possibly came from Alyssa's ex-husband, who okay. also knew these fellas. Okay. And were cousins as well with... Like trying to get back at them for some reason? Well, that he knew about Alyssa's relationship ah. with his cousin, but that he also might have been doing that to try to help her. Oh. Like, oh, well, these guys raped Zara, and they're the ones who killed her. Let, to let, try to maybe give um, Alyssa a bit of a, 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 like an alibi or some background to maybe make her look like she's not the guilty one. Well, let's pray that's true. And it's just a, some fucked up lie. Because they didn't really find any kind of validation, you know, okay. in their investigation. So they think it was probably just some... Some kind of bullshit. Yeah, they didn't really feel like it was valid. God, who can even say that? Uh, Alyssa finally started giving up bits of information to the police. And she's realizing the game is up. They're holding her on these, I'm not going to say bogus charges, because they are... Petty, they're real charges. They're petty crimes. But they're definitely using those to keep control of her. And she knows that, like, they're going to slam her with whatever they can. Right. She claims Adam Baker had dismembered his daughter alone. After she died. Okay. Trying to claim it was an accident. Giving a lot of different stories here. Well, here, here's the thing on Adam's part. I work crazy long hours, too. But to not lay eyes on your child for a couple, three days, in my mind, is insane. Because even I, I work, you know, swing shift, weird hours. I, it, My daughter's 13. I still, or if uh, Zane's here, your son's here. I open the door. I lay eyes on them. Right. You know, I don't bother them when they're sleeping, but I just look in on them. It's just, you know, it's just, I think it's part of being a parent. Like, I wouldn't go for days without seeing my children. So that that's weird to me. It is very odd. I don't care how tired and all that shit. You can, it, it just takes a second to look in on them. 
Well, no, I agree. Let alone if she was disabled. I mean, I guess everyone parents differently, but yeah, we're a bit more hands-on. Well, let alone if she's a poor little disabled thing. We're very proactive in our parenting. So yeah, I can't imagine you going for days and days and not at least going in there and aggravating your daughter, calling her knucklehead. Yeah. Or just looking in on them when they're sleeping peacefully. (laughs) Exactly. Because that's the best time because they're not running their mouth. (laughs) They don't want to argue back. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's always been weird to me that he hadn't seen her for more than one day. So anyway. Melissa's saying Adam dismembered the little girl after she died and that together the couple hid Zara's remains. So why would you dismember if she just passed away? She told police Zara had been dead since September 24th. Now, at some point, Alyssa's lawyer hands over some evidence relating to Zara's death, saying her prosthetic leg was in a dumpster near an apartment building. But the actual leg they find that has the matching serial number is found off a road in Caldwell County, a few miles from where Alyssa had a former residence. Imagine that. By November 2010, Alyssa starts telling police about different areas where they might find the girl's remains. Police did recover numerous bones belonging to the girl, but they did not find her head. It would be some years later before they actually recover her skull. My God. Alyssa told police some of the girl's body parts were in the drain trap of the bathtub and that the plastic gloves she used were in the bedroom of the home. The girl's mattress had also been thrown in a dumpster, which police did recover from the landfill. Oh, wow. Damn, they're not playing around. Since the coroner could not rule the exact cause of death, it was listed as an undetermined violent homicide. Investigators believe Alyssa killed and dismembered Zara on September 24, 2010, and disposed of her body the next day. She is indicted on second-degree murder charges February 22, 2011. She made a deal to skip that first-degree murder charge and possibly the death penalty by agreeing to disclose the information about Zara's remains. <sighs> now, Adam Baker denies any involvement in the murder of his daughter. Most of his alibi and his cell phone records check out for his whereabouts around the time and date that they suspect Zara was killed. Right. However, they did check her records, Alyssa's, And they did find that they pinged at certain places where they recovered body parts. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think he did it or did anything, but he is still responsible for letting this fucking monstrous woman around his child. I'm sorry. I I don't care how much she manipulated him and I feel terrible for him. Poor little Zara. I mean, my God. Imagine her poor mother in Australia. But Her biological mother. He's the reason she was subjected to this beast of a woman. Well, there definitely is some personal accountability that should come into play. This is one so sad little story. I feel so bad for her. In April of 2011, Adam Baker is charged with identity fraud for using his daughter-in-law's husband's identity in order to get utilities such as electricity. Oh, okay. He was also charged with passing worthless checks and some sort of assault with a deadly weapon charge? Oh, so maybe he's not the meek little guy we thought. During this time, he is ordered not to leave North Carolina without notifying the district attorney's office. But eventually, he is going to be allowed to return to Australia. I guess they were just trying to 
stick something, some sort of charge, because I believe investigators thought there might not be some evidence connecting him to this, but like you, they felt like he had some responsibility or something. Or even after the fact, you know, right. helping her in some way after poor little Zara is, is passed away or whatever. I'd say more more than likely, did they ever lay out exactly what they thought happened? No. Because I'm going to guess. never really gave a full account or true story, considering the fact that she spends so many tales and lies. It wouldn't even matter. They didn't really, I mean, they were trying to piece together what could have happened, but there was no real specific incident or reason why she decided to kill this little girl. I think possibly her, she abused her on the daily, it sounds like. Uh, I think the abuse, uh, she did something that, that killed her and it went further maybe than she meant to. That doesn't mean anything. You've been abusing this poor little girl. But I, I think much likely. like the Lena Lunsford case that we covered yes. with the daughter Aaliyah yes. and how she basically died from her mother's child abuse and then right. her mother covered it up. I think that's what happened in this case. I believe that it's probably something. It's either like that. that or she was finally just totally fed up dealing with Zara and her issues. And just sounds like just being a child around this woman was enough to piss her off. And then she decided to, like, you know, just get rid of her. It's one of the two. But likely, I think in my mind, it was her abuse. She went too far one evening, day or whatever, and she realized she'd killed her. Alyssa was also charged similarly with using her daughter's information to obtain utility services. In May of 2011, she was indicted on drug charges for possessing oxycodone, hydrocodone, and alprazolam, which she was planning to sell. I read somewhere she had something like 25,000, like, Xanax pills. How the fuck? Like, on her person, I don't know how, but was planning to sell those. That's a lot of pills. Yeah. She pled guilty to federal drug charges. She was sentenced to 14 to 18 years for the girl's murder, the murder of Zara Baker. Prosecutors knew it was going to be a controversial sentence, but they knew it was necessary to make this plea deal so that they could find the little girl's body. I understand why they do it, but that just pisses me off. The one positive that did come from this is Zara's law was enacted after this crime, which now makes it a felony to dismember a corpse and gives you like an extra eight years sentence. What the fuck? That was a misdemeanor before? Before, there wasn't really a, a law in the books about that. Damn. Alyssa Baker's projected release date from state prison is July 2nd, 2025. But once the murder sentence ends, she's going to begin a 10-year sentence in federal prison for those drug charges. Oh, she only got 10 years for that. <sighs> Baker is currently held at the Anson Correctional Institute, an all-female prison in Polkton, North Carolina. I'm surprised somebody hadn't put their damn hands on her and fucking finished her off. Well, I'm going to guess her prison life is probably not very cozy. Because everybody knows who she is. It was a huge case. It was the sweetest little girl ever. And um, I'm hoping that she doesn't have a comfortable prison life. And I'm hoping that people, she has had her ass kicked. And she's been threatened on the daily. Well, let's right now just pause for a moment and send out all the bad vibes to okay, Alyssa I'm going Baker. To, I got my eyes closed. Alyssa Baker. Bad vibes. Lisa Baker, you're a piece of fucking shit. 
And I hope your life sucks daily. You fucking monster. Well, and she's ugly, so there's that. You, uh, she ugly? She's fucking ugly. You fugly, monstrous bitch. She's fucking skanky as fuck. Oh, my God. She sounds like a damn skank. I'll post her skanky-ass picture, and you can judge her with us. Even other skanks would be like, uh-uh, girl, get on somewhere. That's something a ratchet hoe would do. That's something a ratchet hoe would say. Exactly. Don't forget we have our live show coming up January the 18th at Fleetwoods in Asheville, North Carolina. If you want to join us for that, tickets are available. We have a Facebook event and we have a link to purchase tickets posted in the Facebook event. You can also go to brownpapertickets.com and keyword search Mountain Murders. You can find the ticket link there. We'll sell uh, tickets at the door as well. If there's any left, y'all. I know. You got to get those. They're going fast. And if you can't get enough of Mountain Murders, you can always sign up for Patreon. Patreon. As well as a dollar a month, you can support the podcast and get some extra bonus content. Yes, and we have a lot of interesting ideas in the work that we're going to start on after the first year to bring some really fun, interesting content to Patreon. Yeah, maybe start posting more video episodes over yeah. there. Yeah. We're really going to Bruce it up. Make sure you get your money's worth. But we do appreciate all of those people who support us on Patreon. Help keep the podcast going. 